Complicated. Burdensome. Stressful. Pressure. Impossible. Baffling. Intangible. Alienating. Confusing. Clear. The profound things that Jesus taught are at their core clear and simple. Centered around three key relationships. Up, in, and out. Up. A relationship with God. Grow it. Give it time and attention. Give Him time and attention. Because He first loved us. He is worth it. He is first. In. It's us. You. Me. All of us. Together. Not the programs. Not the building. Not the schedule. We. All of us. Are the church. And they will know us by our love. Our love for one another. So get your hands dirty. Serve. Challenge. Build up. Go deep. Go deeper. Together. Live in community. So they will know us by our love. Out. Look around you. The mission is here. And here. And here. So go. Wherever there's brokenness. Uncertainty. Despair. Indifference. Wherever people don't know the love of Jesus. With God, we can be restorers. Offering faith, hope, and love. This is our mission, to go. So go. Up and out. God. Community. Mission. Align your focus around these three relationships. And grow. Grow as a follower of Christ. Grow with us. Here you'll see that nobody is perfect. Everyone's welcome. And anything is possible. So good morning, y'all. So obviously we had students that sold out summer camp. And if y'all, it's an incredible experience. There was over 600 kids down there. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But my name is Ed Griffin-Egan. I am one of the pastors on our staff. And I want to welcome you all here. I'm so thankful that you're here, that God's got you here for a reason. And if this is your first time here, welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you're, you know, we've got a, some reasonably large amount of people that watch online, and so we want to welcome them here as well. And we are, uh, I don't know, maybe two, three, four weeks ago, we started uh, a, a commitment, and I'll own it. I forgot to do it the second week that, of this commitment. Um, but we're going to do it today, and that is we are committed to praying from this stage for another church in our community that has some sort of a need. And so I talked to a friend of mine, Derek Shields, who's the pastor at, at Christ Community Church, a great church in Columbus, and I just said, what can we pray for y'all about? And he said, just pray. He said, so I'm going to pray for, for them right now, and I want y'all to pray with me. Lord, we love you today, and we know and we are committed to, to this, whole, this whole walk, Lord, is about the kingdom. It's not about this church or that church. It is about your church. It is about your kingdom. And so, Lord, in, in light of that, we want to lift our brothers and sisters at Christ Community up to you, that you would give them wisdom and discernment uh, in following your leading. And, Lord, that really is the prayer for, for us, and it should be the prayer for every believer on the planet, that we would uh, understand and follow your lead. And so we lift them up to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So look, we are in uh, the fourth week of this uh, little detour that we took off of a study of Genesis, and we're calling this when, uh, when God builds His church, and we're walking through what does that look like, and we've been looking at the marks 
of or the characteristics of, of a church that God builds when it's by His design and by His blueprints. And in the last few weeks, we've looked at six of those marks. The first one, probably foundationally, is solid biblical teaching and preaching. When God builds His church, it's built on His Word. It is built on His Word. And, and so what the teaching that goes on and the, uh, the preaching from this stage needs to line up solidly with His Word. And so that's number one. Number two is serving. And it is serving each other inside of this building and then it's serving on the other side of that door out there in the community. When a church is built His way, it is a serving church, serving each other. And then number three, and kind of tied to number two, is having a genuine, uh, authentic concern and love for people. You know, what did Jesus say? He said, they'll know that you're mine by the way that you love each other. And so we need to be loving on and having a, a real, genuine concern for people. And number four is a willingness to change, a willingness to adapt. And that doesn't mean change the message. It's not what I'm saying. It means be willing to change and adapt the method. Not the message, but the method. How we do what we do with wisdom and discernment in God's leading in the way that we do things. And so we need to be a people that are flexible enough to change our method when, when God kind of leads us that way. So that was number four. Number five is having, having big faith, big trust, living on the precipice, living on the edge where we just got to lean into Him and we got to trust Him in a big way for everything in our lives. And so it's big faith, big trust. And then lastly, last week uh, was the last one we talked about, which is, which is truly in everything that we do, worshiping God and bringing Him glory. That everything that we, that we do as a church family, everything that we do as individual believers, that it, is, that it revolves around worshiping uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And today, I want to talk about just one. I want to talk about discipleship. And really, those six that we've talked about so far, they, um, they weave their way into and become kind of discipleship. And we're going to be in the book of Matthew. Matthew's the first life of Christ that's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew is the first. Matthew is, a, is the perfect bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Matthew was primarily written to Jews. There's tons of prophetic fulfillment in the book of Matthew. And so we're going to be at the end of Matthew, particularly in chapter 28. Uh, and this is it's just on the heels, just to give you a little context, it's just on the heels of his resurrection, on, of Christ's resurrection in Matthew 28. And the, the resurrection narrative that Matthew wrote in his gospel is, is brief. It's a lot briefer than the other gospel uh, writers. I believe he, obvi- he, Matthew, he wants to, to get quickly to the final application of the gospel. How does the gospel affect what we do? And I think that's why Matthew's uh, uh, resurrection account is kind of brief. And so we're going to be Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, and your Bible probably has a heading and it says something like the Great Commission, something like that. And so starting in, in verse 18, let me just read this to you. It says, and Jesus, and just remember that this is the risen Jesus. This is after the resurrection. And so he says, and Jesus, and, he, and they're in Galilee because uh, at the, when, when, the, when the women found the tomb empty, Jesus told them, tell my guys to meet me in Galilee. And so 
it says, And Jesus came and said to them. Well, who was them? Them is the eleven disciples. Judas had already died by now. So he says, And Jesus came and said to them. He came and said in Galilee to the eleven disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Some of the nations? No. He said all the nations. Did he say some of the authority? No, he said all authority. So he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the three members of the Trinity, the entire Godhead. The, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe not just some of what I taught and commanded you, all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so a church that's built according to his blueprint, according to God's plans and specs, is passionately, passionately committed to that directive in Matthew 28. These are the church's marching orders. And, and so in those few verses, we see really three things. We see a person, and we see a command, and we see a promise. We see a person, a command, and a promise. And so first we see a person. Well, who that person is Jesus Christ. And if you put yourself in the shoes of these guys that he's talking to, if you put yourself in their shoes, they had just seen their friend beaten, horrifically beaten, uh, crucified, nailed to a cross, whipped, stabbed in the side with a, sphere, uh, with a spear, dead and buried in a tomb. And now they see him, same guy, they see him risen, and they see him flawless. They see all of that that was going on is not there. He's flawless. And what did he say would happen? What did Jesus say would happen? For, for three years he'd be telling his guys, the text says in numerous places, the text says that, that Christ, that Jesus turned his face towards Jerusalem. And whenever you read that in the Gospels, when it says that, what that means is, is that he turned and he was heading to the cross. He knew what was coming. And he told them over and over, I'm going to be beaten and I'm going to be murdered and I'm going to be nailed to that cross, but I'm going to rise after three days. And so Matthew 16:21 says just that. It says, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And maybe his guys, maybe they kind of, and I'm trying to get in their heads a little bit, but maybe they kind of believed him. But I, the truth of the matter, though, is maybe they thought they weren't digging this whole he's going to be beaten thing. But, I, but maybe on some level when he talked about rising on the, third di- on the third day, maybe they got that a little bit. But the, the reality is their actions after the resurrection really say that they didn't believe what he said. I mean, Peter, after Jesus was uh, crucified, Peter said, I'm out, I'm going fishing. So, I mean, their actions spoke like they didn't really believe what he said. But now they're looking at him and they're hearing him. And listen to what what Jesus' first post-resurrection words are. So they're seeing him and they're seeing all of the way that he looked hanging on the cross is gone. He's flawless. He's flawless. And so they hear these words. First words he says. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
all is a key word in this passage. I've told you all before, when you read a passage, circle or highlight or do something on the words that occur multiple times in there, and it'll help you understand what really is important in that passage. And so all is a key word, all authority. He says, all nations. And then he says, all that I have commanded you. So now I think, probably, that his guys may be at least beginning to buy into what he'd been saying. I think for myself, if I had been there, that now would probably, because I, I, I wish I could tell you that, that I'm so faithful that all this, these three years leading up, that I would have just believed everything he said and all that stuff. I probably have been with Peter on the boat, you know, catching some bass when Jesus is in the tomb. But, but I think now, at this moment, if I'd have been there, I think I probably would be getting on board with the whole deal and believing that he really does have all authority. Because what had he just done? My goodness, he had just conquered death. So we have a person, and this person uh, has all authority. He spent three years kind of setting himself up and, and, as God and telling them who he was. And so all authority means all authority. So just before uh, verse 19, as he is going to give this command, this commission, I think he's laying down what's going to be the foundation of their success. And this success that they're going to have is grounded in the fact that their commander has all authority. It is hugely important. Without Christ's authority, the disciples' mission and your mission and my mission today would be doomed to fail. Because here's the deal, man. When God builds His church, not our church, when God builds His church, it is built with Christ as the cornerstone. If he builds his church foundationally, Christ is the cornerstone. And so number one, we see this person, and this person is Christ. And then number two in this passage, we see a command. At the very heart of this great commission in Matthew 28 is the command that's in verse 19 and then the beginning of verse 20. And it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, I'm going to tell you that over the years, too much, really both, too much and too little has been made over that word go. People make a huge deal over that word go. And I'm going to say that too little is made of that word when the disciples going is, uh, is subordinated or suppressed too much so that Jesus' charge is to share the gospel only where you are. But then too much of that word go is made when all the attention in the world is centered on that command go where foreign missions are somehow elevated above every single other means or form of Christian service and spiritual activity. But I think that, that, that Jesus he kind of clears it up a little bit in the book of Acts in chapter 1 and verse 8. And y'all, that verse, verse 8 of the book of Acts of chapter 1, is the pivotal theologians for 1,500 years have viewed Acts 1-8 as the pivotal verse in all, of the, new, in all the New Testament. And so I think Jesus clears this, this go dilemma up a little bit. And this is Luke wrote the book of Acts 
And these, now this is a, a resurrected Christ talking. These are some of his very last words to his folks. And he says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This model that is in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It is Jerusalem. And then it's Judea and Samaria. And then it is out. It moves outward from there. And so where does it begin? It begins in Jerusalem. And so, yes, to go, the word go that is there, it does require some people to leave home, to leave even their homeland. But Jesus' main focus remains on the task of every believer, me and you, every believer to duplicate themselves wherever it is that you find yourself. At the heart of my mission, at the heart of your mission, is to reproduce in others what Jesus has produced in us. Things like saving faith, obedience, growth, compassion, love, a servant's heart. And a bold, truthful message as his witnesses. And some people have said, many theologians actually, have said this word disciple that is in verse uh, uh, 18. That, that, that word simply means learner. L-E-A-R-N-E-R, learner. That these guys were learners that were commanded to produce more learners. That you and I are learners commanded to produce more learners. But I think that that really misses a major nuance of the word. I think that there's way, way more to it than me and you just being a learner. Me and you can go to school and we can learn lots of of stuff. In fact, we can learn it so well that we all make straight A's. We all have a 4-0 at the end of the day. But all of the knowledge that we get, all of that learning that we do is done without an attachment to the teacher. Most of us, I bet you everybody in this room can point to, to a really good teacher at some time in your life. You had this really good teacher. But I bet you would stop short of saying that you, you had some kind of an attachment to that teacher. I had a professor, I'll never forget him, at, at Georgia back in the... 19-something, that, uh, that his name was Leif Carter. Leif Carter, and the class was American Constitutional Interpretation. I'll never forget it. Dr. Carter went to Harvard Law School. He went to Cal Berkeley for undergraduate. He went to Harvard Law School. He was a great teacher. But I would never say somehow that I was attached to him. No, he was a really good teacher, and I learned a lot from him. Being a disciple means not only to learn, there's way more. Being a disciple means not only to learn stuff, but to become attached to the teacher and to become a follower in our beliefs and in the way that we conduct our life. That's way more than being a learner. Learning is part of that deal, but it's not attachment to the teacher. This is what we mean when you hear the word being to be Christ-like. Christ-likeness, a disciple. If we are a disciple, a disciple does his or her best to imitate the teacher. We do our best to imitate Christ. I want to be a little Christ. Being a Christian is to be a a little Christ. I want to be Christ-like. I want to imitate Him. 
I, when people look at me, I want them to see Him. I want myself to point to Him in my beliefs and then in my practice. So we're to make disciples. And if we are to make disciples, if you're going to be a disciple, first there has to be a profession of faith because there's no such thing as being a disciple without being a Christian. You've got to get saved first. But Jesus tells his, guy, tells his guys here in this passage that it doesn't stop at a profession of faith. It begins as, at a profession of faith, but it doesn't stop there. He tells them, you've got to baptize folks, and you've got to teach people. He's like, I have been hanging out with you people for three years. I've been teaching you. We've been walking down the dusty roads, and we've been talking, and we've been hanging around the, the fire cooking hot dogs and talking and I've been teaching and commanding y'all and, and letting you know what, you, what it is that you need to do and I've spent three years doing this with y'all. And so he says he wants them to teach all the nations. He wants to teach all the nations to observe everything that he had poured into these guys to reproduce saving faith and obedience and growth and compassion and love and a servant's heart and a bold, truthful message as his witnesses. And the model here, y'all, the model is really to reproduce reproducers. You get that? It's to reproduce reproducers. A church that God builds his way with his blueprints and his plans is not really just producing, making disciples. It is churning out disciple makers. Not just churning out disciples, churning out disciple makers. Missions exist to go somewhere, wherever the somewhere is. And, and that somewhere may be, and often, very often, is right in our backyard. At a very minimum, that's where it ought to begin. And every single church on the planet should be a machine that people walk in the door... Maybe they walk in the door and they're not a believer. But when they leave after some period of time, they're a reproducer or they're a disciple maker. That is the church ought to be a machine that's building and making disciple makers. And so we ought to, me and you, ought to first model Christ at home. And that home may be in your, literally in your house. But that home very often, and in Acts 1.8 it says Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jerusalem is in our community. That is, Columbus, Georgia, is our Jerusalem, according to Acts 1.8. So with that said, I want, all, I want to ask Autumn Morgan to come up. We're going to do something a little different today. Autumn and her husband, Gator, are our missions and outreach directors. And so I just want to talk to Autumn about something that is going on um, in our church family. Turn it on. Yes. Cool. Good morning, Church on the Trail. You went. You, okay. Um, so look, we have got, uh, and you've seen, and it's in your worship guide, and you have seen slides up here about the Columbus mission trip, and so it's coming up in July, and so I want to ask Autumn to explain how it is that we can go on a mission trip without leaving Columbus, and maybe even the the vision that is behind that. Right, so I think you touched on it a little bit with Acts 1-8. Um, Columbus is our Jerusalem. 
And we know that global mission trips are hard to commit to for some people, whether that be financial reasons, whether you can't take off of work, um, or maybe you have kids at home that you don't necessarily want to leave behind um, to go globally. And so um, we saw this opportunity to partner with Eden Church for the Columbus mission trip, and we jumped on it. We knew that this is something we wanted to present to you guys as an opportunity to learn more about um, ways to serve in your area and our community. Um, So that's exactly what it's structured like. Um, It is a week full of opportunities to learn about organizations that you can serve at and volunteer at just beyond that one week. And I would tell y'all, it is unusual that you would see two, two churches in the same city partnering together on a, on a mission trip. You just don't see that. But I, and I've said this standing here, I don't know, 20 times in the last six months. It is about the kingdom. It is not about unity. church on the trail. Do it. Unity. Yeah, it is about unity. It is about us locking arms with brothers and sisters all across this. And that is, we, we as a church are just really very passionate about that. And so we're doing this, like Autumn said, we're doing it alongside of Eden Church. So maybe if you'll tell us, um, walk us through a little bit of what that week looks like. And I know that we're going to have worship and devotion time either here Every morning of that week, is it eight or nine days total? So it's a Saturday to a Sunday. Yeah, so it's a Saturday to a Sunday. And we're going to have worship or devotion together with them, you know, the folks from Eden and us, either here or at their church uh, also during the week every day. Other than that, I mean, kind of walk us through that week. Yeah, so as I said, it is a jam-packed week um, from very early in the morning to very late at night. Um, And so I won't talk about every opportunity right here just for time's sake, um, but I do want you guys to find the schedule. Either contact us, um, check out our circle desk out there in our little mission corner, um, because I definitely want you guys to see what the entire schedule looks like. Um, But I'll just go through a couple things right now. So we start off Saturday, July 13th um, with a breakfast at Safe House. So Safe House has become a day center for homeless people, men and women seeking recovery, as well as ex-offenders. And they provide a free breakfast and lunch 365 days a year. Um, And so we want to go and prepare that breakfast and then serve that community that morning. Um, And then there's also a My Team Triumph race. And My Team Triumph is a nonprofit athletic organization created for children, teens, adults, and veterans with physical limitations who would normally not be able to experience these kind of events such as triathlons or road races. Um, So this will be a 5K. You can either run with a person um, that's physically handicapped or you can just be on the cheer team on the sidelines um, encouraging them as they... Yeah, which will be me. (laughs) Um, So different opportunities to serve during that event. And then that night, Saturday the 13th, we have Princess Night with Out of Darkness. Um, So this will be in Atlanta. So we'll partner with Out of Darkness. We'll go out on the streets of Atlanta um, and minister to the sex trafficking industry, the women that are in that. Um, So that's definitely a unique and special opportunity for us. And that's the only one that is away from Columbus, right? Yes, that's true. Um, so there will be training and things like that, and you'll just really pray over the women and the area as you're out on the streets. Um, and so then Sunday the 14th and Sunday the 21st, we'll be going to Muskogee County Jail from 2 to 3. 
And so this is, a, this is something that happens every Sunday from 2 to 3. So I think this is a great opportunity if this is something you're interested in. Um, you go and minister to the inmates at Muskogee County Jail. And these inmates here, all kind of religions, um, because they, the jail can't restrict anybody from coming in and talking to them. Um, so this is a great opportunity to share Christianity with them and maybe your testimony and what Jesus has done for you in your life. So I think that that's a wonderful thing to get um, involved in. But paperwork and a background check will definitely need to be um, done and submitted for that. So if you are interested in that, please let us know as soon as possible because I need to get those in and get them processed before July. So maybe like within the next week, week and a half. Um, all right, so later on that Sunday, we're going to grill out at the Job House. Um, and Job House is an affordable home for former homeless men trying to get back on their feet. So this will be a men's only event. So you will just like grill out with the men, share testimony, share who Jesus is with you, um, and then kind of do men things. That'll be a fun, fun event. Um, and then throughout the week, we'll be getting ba- like goodie bags ready for DFACs. We've built a great relationship with them through our generations ministry. Y'all know what DFACs is? Department of Family and Child Sorry. Services. Yeah. It's okay. Um, so we, I, I just kind of reached out to them and said, hey, what can we do for you? And she was like, we would love emergency goodie bags for the um, staff because they work all kind of hours um, into the late evenings. And so we just want to create some kind of goodie bag for them with a snack and a treat and encouraging card because they, they see a lot of things and they can definitely be discouraged um, on a daily basis. So we just want to provide them with something to lift them up and know that they are loved and appreciated. Um, Monday night we'll have M2540, which is our homeless outreach ministry. So we'll meet at Caldwell Banker. We'll prepare the plates and then go out on the street um, to the homeless community and serve them. So throughout the week we'll have hospital deliveries. We're going to create an encouraging card and goodie bag with a dessert for them. So we'll provide that to all the hospital staff members. Um, and this is just something to encourage the hospital staff. Well, this will also be a, great, be a great time to pray over all the hospitals and the patients and the staff and the doctors. Um, so I think that we'll, we'll be doing that several times throughout the week. So just check out your schedule to see which days and which hospitals. Um, so Tuesday the 16th, we'll have a splash pad fun. This is going to be so exciting. So um, we'll have a water balloon fight at the splash pad downtown. So if your kids are out for summer, come join us down there for a good day of family fun. We'll eat popsicles um, and hang out with the kids in that area. We'll have imminent worship at Eden Church that week, that Tuesday. And then um, Thursday the 7th, or the 17th, 18th, sorry, 18th, we'll have a college event at Eden Church. So this is for all college-age students. Um, it's just a, it'll just be like a game night full of fun. We'll eat and stuff like that at Eden Church. And then we're doing stuff at the fire department and as well. We are, yes. So um, we kind of reached out to the fire department here locally and said, what can we do for you this week? And they said, um, please bring us lunch and wash our trucks. So <laughs> apparently they have to wash their trunks, trucks after like every shift or something, every couple hours. And so that was something that they definitely needed our help with. So we will definitely yes, be doing cool. that. It'll be, yeah. It'll what be about... What about the big thing on the last weekend on that Saturday? The Saturday event? Uh-huh. Okay, so we're calling that Family Fun Day. Um, and it's going to be at our new building, our new M2540 building that was donated to us. 
Um, and it's going to be a great day from like 6 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock at night. So we'll start off walking around that area, which is off of 6th Avenue, um, inviting everybody in that area to join us for a day of fun. We'll have worship and devotion. We'll cook out. We'll have backpacks for the kids full of school supplies. We'll have popsicles and games. Um, so it's going to be a really great day full of family fun. So um, are there things that uh, things like things, but then also money. Is there things that need to be donated? Yes, for sure. Um, So as a church, Ed and I got together and we decided that some things throughout the week definitely need to just be things that we purchase. Um, And so we're accepting monetary donations up to $2,000. And then there are things... We'll take more than $2,000. But but that's the... In in your worship guide today, you'll see this. Um, And on both sides, it kind of tells you, but go ahead. Yeah, so, and there's the um, school uh, supply list, and they're outside on our table in the corner. Um, and this is just what the whole church will donate. So, cases of water, encouraging cards, water balloons, popsicles, and school supplies. So, between Eden Church and Church on the Trail, we hope to um, create 500 backpacks full of school supplies for children in our area. Um, so that's definitely something that we need help with. So if you're out shopping for school supplies for your own children, please pick up a few extras, and then you can drop them off in the bins outside. And this, this, real, this is a big deal. I mean, we're, it is chock full from can to cane every day for eight or nine days. And, so th- and this is all about the gospel. I mean, this is all about being out in, the, in a lost, broken, dying, fallen, sinful world and being light. And so we don't do this just to do it. We do it. Uh, in honor and, and in, in really in fulfillment of the Great Commission and in the manner in which Acts 1-8 says to do it. So it seems, and there is a lot of opportunities for you to serve, and you can, you know, I sent an email out the other day, but you can ask questions out there. But it, it, there's so much stuff. Do people have to sign up and say, I'm just committing the next nine days of my life to this? Great question. Um, absolutely not. That's why we structured it the way we did, um, because some of us work full-time and can only serve at, in the afternoons or on weekends, and some of us have kids because it's summer break, and so you just want to volunteer for things that are fun for the whole family. Um, so we definitely um, have different opportunities throughout the week that you can serve according to your schedule. So don't feel like you have to commit to a full day or even the full week. Um, so whatever you can do, we'll be happy to have you there. And when you go to sign up, that's the way the, the, that's the, way the little sign-up thing is electronically. It just lists all the things with a description, and you can just say yes, no, yes, no. And if it's one, one event, then let it be one event. Whatever it is, it is. So I don't want you to feel this burden that I've got to do this every day. We're going to be there every day, but you do uh, it, what you feel comfortable doing. Cool? Thank you all so much. Hey, y'all give uh, Autumn and Gator a hand. We appreciate y'all's service. So the goal in all of this missions and outreach stuff is what I said a minute ago. It is to share the good news, to share the gospel, which is, y'all, it's just the understatement of the century to say it's the good news. It's the greatest, most, the greatest news Ever. And so it is, our goal is to share that. Our goal is Christ-likeness. It is to encourage and enable other people to become disciple-makers, to be disciple-makers. So I want you to look at this passage uh, and the way that it is structured. 
And I want you, I want you to um, see this. First, we've got this person. And, you know, I doodle a lot. And I, as I was doodling on this, that's a technical term. I do, as I was doodling with this passage, I looked down and I said, well, the church, people ought to kind of see some of this. So in verse 18, you've got this person. And we talked about it a minute ago. And this, this, this person kind of sets up verses 19 and 20. And we see this person. Again, he, say, he sets himself up as God because he is God. And he spent three years trying to uh, make his guys understand that and so if he's God, then he has a he has the right to make the demands that he's about to make in the next couple of verses. And so then you got verse 19, and you see this word therefore. And when you're reading the Bible, and you see the word therefore, or you see the word but, or you see the word nonetheless, it's pointing backwards. It's always pointing backwards. And so this therefore is pointing back to whatever was written right before it. And it's like he says, because I. Jesus have all authority, then I, Jesus, am commanding you to make disciples. I, I have the authority, and I have all authority, he says. So he says, I have all authority, and I say, make disciples of all nations, and teach them every single thing that I have commanded you. So you see this command in verses 19 and 20, and then finally, at the end of this passage, we see a promise, and you could argue that this is the most important part of this passage. We see this promise, and here's the promise. The promise says, when I build my church, and, and while you are out making disciples, because you're being obedient, so I, when I build my church, and you're out making disciples on every continent, on every, in every culture, in every ethnicity, black, white, blue, green, purple, well, it just does not... All nations, that word ethnos, is all, it's the, where we get the word ethnicity from. All the nations, every ethnicity, you're out there doing that. And while you're baptizing, he says, in my name, and you're baptizing in my Father's name and in the Holy Spirit's name, and while you're teaching every single thing that I spent three years teaching you people how to do, he says, while you're doing all of that, and he says in multiple places, and it ain't going to be easy, and people are going to hammer you, and they're going to persecute you, and you can't do it on your own. He said you can't do it in your own power, and you can't do it in your own strength. And then he says, but, but behold, the end of verse 20, but behold, while you're doing this, don't you, don't you ever forget he says, I will be with you. I will never leave you. He says, I will never forsake you. He says, I will be with you always. And then he puts like this exclamation mark on it, and he tells us what always means. It means till the end of the age. It means until I come back. That's what he says. I will be with you always. And it's so interesting to me that, that Matthew ends his gospel, his, his account of Jesus' life like this. Because he clearly, in ending his gospel this way, he wants to end focused on Christ and his attributes and not on the disciples and their task. These verses here, really this last verse, I will be with you always to the end of the age, it links all the way back to chapter 1 of the book of Matthew. All the way back to, to, the, to Christ's coming to the earth, to Christ's birth. All the way back to chapter 1. Look at verse uh, 23 of chapter 1. 
It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Matthew begins by saying this baby is God with us. And he ends by saying this baby who is with us is God and he will be with you always. That's the way he ends that. The last words in Matthew's gospel. In Jesus the Messiah, God remains with us now and for eternity. If he is living inside of you, if you are a believer, he is with you and he says he will never leave you. What more can me and you possibly need to, to persevere in our Christian walk? All he calls us to obey that great commission. And then when we fail, not if we fail, when we fail, he remains faithful. So in this passage, we see a person, Jesus Christ. And when God builds his church, his church is focused on him. And then we see this command to go make disciples. And when a church is built according to God's blueprint, it is obeying that command. And the people are obeying that command. It's play, that church is playing its role in fulfilling and making disciple makers. And then we see this promise, I am with you always. The church that God builds his way rests in that promise. Now, unfortunately, everybody that is within earshot of these words this morning is not a Christian. Everybody that is watching online, everybody that is here, you may have walked in here seeking and searching and trying to figure out the truth, and you may have read a Bible. You may not have cracked a page of the Bible, but you're searching for the truth. And so, But everybody hasn't said yes to that offer. But being a disciple begins with making Jesus your leader and your forgiver. It begins with the salvation that only He offers. And you've got to attach yourself to Him. How, well, how do you do that? And y'all, you know what? I read these words yesterday. And, and I believe that Crowder wrote this song, Somebody Help Me. But I read these words from a song called Red Letters. I heard the song, and I never really, really, really listened to the words until yesterday. We were driving home from Atlanta. And I heard this song, and I'm like, and I, so I listened to the words, and I thought, this, I don't stanza, paragraph, whatever. I thought, this is my testimony. And I, want, I just want to read it to you, because you know what? It's probably your testimony, and it can be your testimony. Here's what he said. He says, there I was on death row, guilty in the first is my destiny. The crowd was shouting, crucify, could have come from these lips of mine. The dirty shame was killing me. It would take a miracle to wash me clean. Then I read the red letters, and the ground began to shake. The prison walls started falling, and I became a free man that day. Y'all, if you ain't free, you can be free. You can be, and the only way that you can be free is if that death on that cross counts for you, and He will live inside of you, and man... That promise that I will be with you always, that is for you. And that means he will, he will live inside of you until He comes back and takes you home. And then you will live with eternity at the foot of that throne. That is the only way to persevere with any kind of sanity in the world that we live in. And so look, if you have, you've never done that, all I'm saying is consider that offer today. Y'all pray with me.